up, everyone? I'm Catherine Rudder, and you're listening to Life in the Fast Chain. For this episode, we have Richard Johnson from Greenwich Associates on, and he talks about security tokens. So I learned so much from reading his report, uh, Security Tokens, Kryptonite for Stock Certificates. So I would advise if anyone wants a little bit of background on what we're talking about to read that report. Um, uh, The link is in the bio. I'll make it at the very top so you can quickly, if you want to, jump off of this podcast for the moment. Uh, read the report and then come back to this. Um, We do cover a lot of what's in the report, um, but it could be a good idea to read it as well. Or you can just read it after um, if you're really interested, which I think you probably will be because I learned so much. And I have to say, I was pretty nervous about this episode beforehand because I didn't know really much about security tokens I would I was about to say anything but I guess that wouldn't be completely true but it's almost true to be honest um but so I read the report and obviously having him in the studio was amazing and I learned so much so I hope you guys enjoy it I'm in the studio with Richard Johnson from Greenwich Associates. Thank you for joining me today. Thanks, Catherine. Great to be here. Woo! Okay, so before we get started, you have uh, picked a drink for us, which is Flower Power, (laughs) which is one of the only three options we had in uh, Bar 3 today. Uh, Why did you pick this drink? Uh, Well, one answer might be because it's the best beer out of the three choices you had. Yep. But also, I think, um, so it's Flower Power from the Ithaca Brewing Company. I'm guessing this is a reference to Woodstock, which was mm-hmm. 50 years ago, because isn't Ithaca near Woodstock? Yeah, well, I'm, I'm not a math so let's, uh, I just did math, but I'm not a map person. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, so uh, let's try and channel some of that Woodstock good vibes. Good vibes. Love it. Okay, cheers. Cheers. Ken. Have you ever had this one before? No. Okay. It's also an IPA. I do like IPA. Mm. Oh, yeah, I like it. Good. It's like a pretty standard IPA, I feel like. I'm more of a wine person, so I don't know much about uh, beer, so I'm happy that I got that right because that was a total guess. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Thank you for picking that drink. I've had some pretty interesting ones on the show before, like warm, mezcal, rum. I'm happy we stayed away. Yeah, keep it it simple. (laughs) Yes. Okay. So I want to ask you in-depth questions about the report, but first, I want to say, so it's called Security Tokens, Kryptonite for Stock Certificates. I like that title. Thank you. Just general feedback, because I, I've read it twice now. Um, well, first off, so that you know something about me, I don't know much about securities or tokens, really. But, but I think the way that you wrote this, and you can see, I made lots of notes good. throughout the whole thing. You pay attention, I see, yeah. Yep, I was an English major, so I have like this weird habit of highlighting and then also like using brackets and then commenting and stuff, um, which is pretty funny if you look at all of my old books I used to read. But anyways, so one, my first thing of feedback was that even though I don't know much about these things, the way that you explain everything was super easy for me to digest, and I appreciate that. Good. Thank you. That's my job. That's what they pay me for. <laughs> well, they, well, you're doing a great job. Raise. <laughs> so, but also, like, sometimes when I felt like I couldn't understand something, I was like, okay, about to reread the sentence, but then the next sentence you would give an example that makes... A 
a lot of sense to like a lay person. I of course like don't know where. I think I made a note. Oh, <laughs> the note is good analogy. <laughs> and uh, at one point you say this is similar to replacing the plumbing without shutting off the water. Yeah, and I yeah. really like that. Thank Very you. Very creative. Yeah, I mean a lot of what I do is kind of is is really trying to explain complex topics to our client base, our client yeah. base, especially when it comes to crypto and blockchain. Our client base are more traditional financial institutions, and maybe they're not using it right now, but they want to know what's going on. Mm-hmm. So they're not going to be as kind of in the weeds as the people in this office building here at R3, but they want to know what it is and how it might affect them down the road and totally. if there's anything they should do right now. So that's what we try and do. Totally, yeah. And that's kind of what I like to do with the podcast is take really smart people like yourself and other guests that we've had and take what they're doing and kind of speak to others who are just interested in the space who may not know all of the ins and outs of the technology, which you did a great job. So <laughs> so let me go through some. I wrote down a ton of questions. Um, but first, before we get into that, how did you first become interested in the blockchain space? So uh, it was about late 2014, and I'd been in, so my background before that was in equity trading. I was in electronic trading for a long time, since about 2000, worked on a bunch of different trading desks. Mm -hmm. And um, it had been a fun ride, um, but it had got become less interesting and much more competitive and the margins are compressed and it became much tougher business mm-hmm. and I was looking around for something else for like some other, you know, for, for something else to do to get involved in something else that excited me uh, and I found Bitcoin I found Bitcoin mainly as a tr- as a trader coming at it and I was like oh it's something else to trade maybe I can build uh, algos yeah. for, for Bitcoin um, oh, cool. and started looking at it around there and then of course you start going down the rabbit hole and you realize that there's a whole lot more to it than just being able to trade on an exchange yeah so that's how I got it I got into it um so that was late 2014. I started kind of looking around the space. I did um, I did some consulting with ItBit mm-hmm. for about two months or so, just as they got their uh, uh, DFS Trust Charter license. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was a that was a great experience. And then I started working with a startup that's based out of London, in fact, cool. um, building kind of an institutional trading platform. But shortly after I got involved with with that firm, um, I started speaking with Greenwich, and they had a, an opening in their office for someone. They said we need someone to kind of cover mm-hmm. equity market structure for us, which is what I'd done for most of my career. And there's and you know you've you've got this crypto blockchain experience. We hear that's uh, you know, that, that's getting more popular. So if you can kind of write about that as well, that that'd yeah. be that'd be great. So I found that very exciting. And I think um, you know joining Greenwich and especially the way we, we see how the space has evolved where you know it, it was just bitcoin back in 2014 really maybe r3 came around around that time um yeah. but gradually institutions have started looking at it so i think my experience of having been you know in wall street banks and brokerage firms and uh knowing how they work helps me kind of explain it like you said to people and help them see what the opportunity is in this technology in this yeah. asset and so on yeah totally um Right on for Greenwich Associates, kind of seeing that balance of the two and bringing you on. Um, So I also, I like asking people that question um, because so many different people, it's a lot of the similar kind of how you first got into it. A lot of it is just like, oh, Bitcoin was kind of interesting to me. And then um, 
I think that that move from cryptos into blockchain into okay now what can we build is yeah. pretty cool that's obviously what I'm interested in here yeah. I also in fact <laughs> when I first started looking into it I was very very naive and thought I'm going to mine bitcoin for my home computer and I'm years <laughs> too late for that of course um, <laughs> but you know you're going through that exercise of realizing like yeah. learning about the electricity consumption proof of work and things like that it's all part yeah. of the education process yeah, yeah definitely okay so before there you obviously jump into this but can you just basically explain to me um, what security tokens are and why they're important? Yes. So uh, I think we need to take a step back and look at the evolution of how we've got here, really. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, we, we talked briefly about Bitcoin and then becoming blockchain. But what happened in uh, kind of 2017 was the big whole ICO boom yeah. where all the ICOs started coming out and uh, lots of money was pouring into them, a lot of frenzy. It was clearly obviously a, you know, a lot of hype and it was a bubble. Mm-hmm. Um, as that bubble began to burst or what maybe what precipitated the bursting was regulators coming in and, and saying, wait a minute, this isn't, these are not utility tokens. These are really securities. You're raising, yeah. uh, you're raising funds to uh, seek to profit from a, from a venture that, that's classified as a security in our book. Yeah. Um, and, you, and you can't do that. So they're saying that you know, tokens need to be registered under the Securities Act and that the uh, token exchanges need to be um, registered under the Exchange Act. So I took a step back and looked at that. I first started looking at it, I think, uh, maybe 2018, like beginning of 2018. Mm-hmm. And, like, and you know, I do have more of a US focus as I've been based out here for so long. Um, started looking at, so okay, so these tokens, these ut- what were ICOs, these utility tokens, what they were, they now need to comply with regulations. What does that mean? Mm-hmm. And in the US at least, it means either registering under the Securities Act and doing an IPO or something like that. Okay. Um, that's not really going to happen right now. We have a pretty good infrastructure for a lot of things, for, for firms like, you know, stocks like Apple and Microsoft and whatever. Mm-hmm. But there are exemptions to the Securities Act um, for uh, in the US, which is like Reg A plus or Reg D, mm-hmm. um, which is another way that firms can raise money. And I think these types of use cases are very well suited to security tokens. Now, in other parts of the world, the definition may be slightly different depending on what the regulations are. Yeah. So I think the, I think the, the, the key thing is, is that these are securities that that are blockchain based so they're issued and recorded on a blockchain yeah so i guess i guess with the times like at what point we're using a lot of time like a timeline basically so at what point was it kind of like oh, okay we need to use blockchain for these securities well i think eh. Well, firms like R3 have been, you know, using blockchain for different types of securities and different types of financial applications. Yeah, yeah. Whether you're digitizing it, mm-hmm. um, I think what was different with security tokens is that it kind of, you know, it came after. Um, I think the key thing is that it's trying to focus on newer asset classes, more liquid asset classes, mm-hmm. where there is an opportunity to really improve on the existing market structure. Yeah. I mentioned before, we've got a pretty good infrastructure for firms like Microsoft, Apple, and even WeWork if they want to do an IPO to come mm-hmm. and put their, their shares out. But you know, I was looking into this recently, only like 0.2% of com- 0.02% of companies in the US are public. So 99.98 are privately held companies. These companies still need to raise money. Yep. And the way you do that today is with 
you know, paper and documents and putting mm-hmm. it in, in lawyers' drawers and so forth. But there's other applications as well, such as tokenization of real estate. That seems to be a very, yeah, very popular yeah, one. Yeah, yeah, you read about that. Yeah, so people, um, so there's in the US, there's people throw different numbers about. There's like $213 trillion of real estate assets. The one I look at is in the US, it's $7 trillion of commercial real estate. Wow. Of which only $1 trillion is in tradable REITs. Uh-huh. And so there's a lot of you know, privately held real estate assets. Um, mm-hmm. And the other thing is if you buy a REIT, you're buying a diversified portfolio of investments, of real estate investments, whereas mm-hmm. you have the opportunity with a real estate security token to invest in a particular building, maybe on the Upper yeah. West Side or something like that, or in a particular area. You can be have much more uh, you know, flexible investment choices. Yeah, I feel like real estate's a good example. How do you stop people from like just trying to tokenize everything? Like I feel like Todd McDonald, who's here, he always he, I think one of his talks was uh, the tokenization of everything. Because like I feel like there's a lot of hype in this. Uh, yeah, space. there's a certain uh, well, a number balance. of Twitter profiles who are shouting tokenize the world and things like that. I can't <laughs> the Twitter world. Yeah. I've talked about it before. Sometimes I'm, because I. Uh, run all of our accounts I just part of my job is just to see what's going on yeah and it's sometimes I'm like what are these people doing yeah. <laughs> the accounts that are out there I but. know you need to keep it real I think totally. you know what you look where the where the, where's there a market now where can you really add value yeah I I'm not a fan of to- art, tokenization of art. I don't think that makes a lot of sense. I know a yeah, lot of people are doing it. Yeah, I was going to ask you about that. Yeah, no. I, I, it, Why aren't you a fan? Um, I think if I, I don't think there's demand for that. I think if you if you want to invest market. in you know if you want to invest ten thousand dollars in art and you're you're not. Why would you buy whatever it is, a millionth of a Picasso or a thousandth of a Picasso? Yeah, yeah. Instead of maybe a $10,000 piece of art to put on your wall, for example. Yeah, you're um, right. It doesn't make sense. Yeah. <laughs> and I think that you can still do that. I don't think a blockchain um, necessarily helps that. I think what I think is, is potentially interesting in the art world is uh, the idea of provenance. So mm-hmm. I'm getting a little off track here, but yeah, good. you can. Um, so the way art, is, art works, basically, an artist paints a painting, he sells it for, let's say, $10,000, and then mm-hmm. he becomes famous, and 10 years later, it's worth $10 million or more. That artist doesn't get any recurring royalties on that original piece of art. So there's a few firms out there who are looking to kind of track the provenance and, and help the art world by helping these artists get you know, a small take of future sales of their, their art, which I think is interesting. That's an interesting angle. That is a very interesting one. And that also... Um that's also in line with like musicians and and all of that but differently and I know now I'm taking us yeah. off track but for musicians like um, I mean there's all of this stuff in the news with like Taylor Swift like and not owning her own music and people in the past have done have had issues with this before but um, with the music industry when you create a let's say I'm uh, the singer it's not just me who is this is similar but different it's not just me who is um, contributing to the song it's my voice but then there are people editing it there are people producing it, whatever, yeah. and then you push it out to all these different, like iTunes, Spotify, all these other um, mediums, but then let's say someone comes in and makes a remix or something of it, like, I'm not getting paid for that, but it's my song, even yeah. though it was remixed, and then um, additionally on the music stuff, because I'm really going off here, but... Um, like background singers and stuff like there's so many more people than just that one person so you're not really 
tracking the whole life cycle of that song, yeah. basically. I think in music, there's some applications around digital rights management and things like that yeah. uh, that people are talking about. But yeah. going back to another not great example, I think, is tokenization <laughs> of movies. Like, if you want, yeah. if people want to invest in a movie, you don't need a blockchain to do that. You can, you, you can invest in an investment vehicle that is funding the movie yeah. studio or something like that. Um, yeah. There's so many things yeah. you can do. <laughs> yeah, but I think, but you need to keep it real. What are the what are the, yeah. are the best use cases? I mean, I don't know. I don't know if I hope this isn't something that R3 is working on. But there's people talking about tracking produce on a blockchain. I think that's a well. Yeah, we actually have a part. We have a partner. <laughs> I'm not a fan of that one. I'm sorry. <laughs> we have a we have a partner who is doing that, and they yeah. they're focusing on like tomatoes and milk and yeah. stuff. Yeah. Then somebody. I welcome all opinions. I, I, don't, I don't. I'm not. I don't think that's the best use case let's say well well totally entitled to your own opinion 100 yeah. percent, and maybe it's not but yeah. also you could say that there's this weird like time we're living in where everyone wants to know exactly where everything came from and if it's organic or not yeah. and this and that so there could be a market yeah but i think then then okay my next counter argument is kind of but what you're seeing there's a lot of we're in a bit of a trough of disillusionment with blockchain totally. uh, as uh, I've written a blog about it and I think you know, Todd's spoken about it as well mm-hmm. um, and I think part of that is, is because people are saying you can use a blockchain for everything and or they, ha- they were for a number of years yeah. and now people looking at it are getting fed up with that, di- that dialogue and that mantra um, so yeah, yeah. trying to keep it real yeah, love that. That's going to be the podcast title. Um, okay, so to bring it back a little yeah. bit <laughs> to the report. So um, your report that you wrote, this um, you guys took a survey, which is what this mm-hmm. kind of dives into. Um, one, this is two questions, but one, who are the respondents for the survey, and uh, what came out to be the top, like the top challenges for security tokens. Um, okay, so what, a lot of what, what Greenwich does is focus on primary research or, go, or going out to the market and asking people what they think and mm-hmm. using that information to, to tell a narrative. So if you ask, uh, if you want to ask people about, about blockchain and get a good opinion, mm-hmm. you need to ask people who are involved in the blockchain space. And that's what we've done. We have a list of about 5,000 people, 4,000 people mm-hmm. who are me- pretty much exclusively within financial services and working on blockchain initiatives at banks or consulting firms or exchanges. So we're getting people who are in the weeds doing this stuff. We're not just asking you know, Joe the Schmo man on the street. On the street. <laughs> yeah. But you see that, again, you see that. You saw, I saw something on Twitter, of course, so it must be true, <laughs> that someone, was, someone had a survey saying, you know, 90% of companies uh, see a use for blockchain in their business. That's probably no, not No true. way! 90% no. is such a high percentage. I know, I know. <laughs> so, um, and then I guess what was your second question? Second part of the question: What are the challenges around it? Yeah, like what are the top challenges? Well, specific to security tokens, the challenge was like lack of regulatory clarity. Um, yeah. Because you know, it's a new. You know, I think if you. The nomenclature is difficult as well. Some people can't differentiate between Bitcoin and a security token or yeah. a, a utility token, perhaps a, you know, one of the few utility tokens that may be out there, other types of tokens or a stable coin, and they all kind of get muddled into this definition of digital assets, mm-hmm. um, which is just a, a broad umbrella and captures so everything. Broad. So you've got to kind of get through that and, and define what you're talking about. Um, you know, the regulators in the US have had a lot to do, like cracking down on all these fraudulent schemes and so forth going on. And, and you know, they've got limited bandwidth for, to, to address these types of things. Yeah. Um, 
And so I think that that you know that that's where we are. We seem to be moving through it. There's been some, you know, the SEC and FINRA put out a joint statement recently on digital. They call it digital asset securities, mm-hmm. um, which is which is um, you know which is helpful. I saw Anthony Lewis did a little piece on CoinDesk this week about the regulatory yeah. approach in different in in Asia. Um, so it, it it varies. That's one of the big challenges, I think. Um, you know, in general, around blockchain, we've asked the question about what's, what are some of the biggest challenges, and it's uh, oftentimes they say it's hiring you know, qualified technologists to work on the projects. Oh, that was yeah. in a, that was not in this paper. It's in a different paper. <laughs> you saw my shrug. Yeah, <laughs> I don't think I remember reading that. <laughs> but like, it's not in my highlighted notes. Um, that's interesting. That's also. Uh, that's kind of cool to know just that it's not like R3 is the only one struggling to find qualified blockchain yeah. uh, developers. So that is that is very interesting. Um, I feel like the regulatory stuff must be kind of cool, kind of hectic in this. I mean, regulators must be going crazy. Well, maybe not so much anymore, but at first. Um, yeah, I think so. I think, um, you know, again, speaking for the U.S., it's... It, it started slowly and then it just boomed. And I think there was like you know, yeah. When it was you know maybe a, a you know a, whatever the total market cap of the space was ten billion or twenty billion, and there may be you know five hundred or a thousand investors involved in the space. It didn't matter, and there are plenty of other things that they could do. Yeah. But suddenly everyone was investing Freaking in ICOs. You were, you were here through yeah. that. Like you know, my, my wife was. You know, she, she'd like some. I'd post something on LinkedIn about mm-hmm. Bitcoin or something. She'd like it, and like five minutes later, somebody walked into her office and goes, "What do you know about Bitcoin? Tell me." So, so that funny. that's where we were, and that that was like peak uh, peak bubble there. That's so funny, yeah. especially because <laughs> about a year ago, I was at a I was at a bar. <laughs> I was at a bar, and this uh, a friend of a friend asked what I did, and I was like, "Oh." It depends who I tell, like what I like, yeah. what I do to. Um, but at the time, I guess I sometimes I'm like, oh, I'm in emerging technology because sometimes if I just say blockchain, uh-huh. people still say, oh, cool, Bitcoin, and I'm yeah, like, yeah. well, now I have to talk for twenty minutes <laughs> because I'm not letting this go. Um, but I said I worked at a blockchain company, and he was like, what? Tell me everything, and I ended up telling this guy that I had just met like all the stuff we were working on, not just R3, not just Corda, um, but talking about like the Ethereum blockchain and all the stuff that people are doing in the space, and he was so interested. Since then, I have not found someone so interested <laughs> at a bar, but uh, many of the You're people around here- You're going to the Yeah. All the right bars, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it kind of depends. Am I running to it or am I running from it? I don't know. Um, so while, we, while, while we're just chatting that, I pulled up that other paper from last year, which is more focused on enterprise blockchain. Mm-hmm. So you can't look at your notes in this one. There's nothing there. No, and, I'm writing and, this down. And the top issues in implementing DLT solutions. Okay. Um, the number one was hiring skilled technologists. And the second one was interoperability with other systems. Ooh. And I bring this up because I think one of the advantages of security tokens is that they don't have to worry about that so much because they're focusing on newer 
asset classes. Like if you're tokenizing yeah. real estate, you don't have to worry about the existing market infrastructure. Whereas if you're trying to tokenize public equities or put public equities on a blockchain, you've got to build interoperability with you know the DTCC and all the exchanges yeah, yeah. and all this the rest of it. This was the plumbing in the water analogy. Yeah, that's it, we're back to that, perfect. Yeah. <laughs> I'm happy I brought that one up. <laughs> um, okay, can I link to this so other people can read it? Is yeah. it online? Yeah. Okay, I wrote it down. <laughs> it's behind a paywall, but you can still link well, to it. Well, they should pay for it. Exactly. You're exactly. paying for knowledge, people. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay, yeah, that's very interesting because... Um, do you focus at all on like interoperability between blockchains or just between like old systems and new? In this paper I'm talking about. No, no. Um, that's a bit of a new thing, isn't it, really? It is yeah. because you can't, yeah, like yeah. before, that's like the next step. It's like, can we interoperate with other older systems and now I think we're here? That's, can we yeah, I think that's kind of a logical next step and I think that makes yeah. sense. Yeah. yeah. And you have things like digital asset holding is putting their, yeah. their DAMO. Uh, smart contract lending lectures on Hyperledger and things like that going on. Cross pollination. Cross pollination. <laughs> um, flower okay. power. So flower power. Cheers. <laughs> <laughs> Always got cheers twice in these episodes. <laughs> okay. So, what platforms? Uh, don't have to just talk about one, but what platforms are uh, the early adopters building on? Or blockchains? Yeah. Uh, so this was, I thought, the most interesting thing in the paper, in fact. We asked, what is the best uh, blockchain to build on for security tokens? And the top answer was, you, you could have got a mention, don't worry about that. No, I, well, oops. I know we're in our three shop, but like, I like talking about all blockchains. But the top answer was, it doesn't matter. I thought that was really interesting. Yeah. Um, because I think it shows that, you know, t- shows two things, like we've, got to the point where there's a number of good solutions on the market that are fit for purpose. Yeah. And I think it also points to the fact that what's more important really is the business, not the technology underneath it. So I think we're at the point yeah. now where we're building businesses on the blockchain. Mm-hmm. Um, and people who are doing that can use best of breed, whatever best of breed is out there, whatever fits their particular business or their product mm-hmm. um, uh, and, and build on top of that. So I think I thought that was very interesting. And I think it's a positive sign overall for the industry. Totally. That's a very good, like, Switzerland dancer. Okay. All right. Moving on. So kind of on that same vein, though. um, So in your report, you highlight that participants have an opinion on permissioned uh, blockchains being the preferred option. Yes. Not surprising. Um, I think it's because of our audience that we're talking to here. Our audience are bankers, they're people who work at exchanges, mm-hmm. um, and they you know, are generally predisposed towards um, permission blockchains, the compliance departments are not comfortable yet with public blockchains. Makes um, sense. It makes sense. Lots of concerns around um, you know, who, who's mining these transactions, who can see my data, all these types of things. Yeah. Yeah. We may Good get point. to the point. This, this may just be permission blockchains may just be a stepping stone towards more more usage of public blockchains. There's plenty of people out there who are, you know, maniacally in favor of, of public over permissions. Yeah, totally. Or we may get to a point or we may just build there where you have something like, you know, the R3 consortium and you have like a blockchain for banking yeah. or for equities or for fixed income or something like that. That's not public, but it's pretty well distributed within, you within know, the, the network. Within the yeah. network, yeah. Yeah, definitely. 
Wow, we have covered a lot. Okay, so what is next for securities tokens, would you say? Hmm. Well, I think um, we need to, you know, in the U.S., the, the uptake is pretty slow. There's not, you know, we've got to build from there. So in the U.S., mm-hmm. with security tokens, you're probably looking at, uh, like I said, private placements um, or tokenizing real estate. So you need deals to come onto the market, mm-hmm. um, and that'll take some time. And you probably need, before the industry overall gets interested, you probably need to have a, you know, a good hundred decent quality opportunities out there that people can invest in. That'll bring in the institutional investors, yeah. I think. So I think it's a question of like getting some you know bold, uh, issuers and entrepreneurs together to kind of you know structure an interesting an interesting security token or a number of these and get mm-hmm. people into the market. Yeah, totally. Are you working on anything else right now in the blockchain space? Uh, no. So the way it goes at Greenwich, I tend to do like we we do a big survey every year. I did this one. Um, I think we're fielding around uh, April, March, April timeframe, mm-hmm. and um, this was one of the papers that came out of it. And I did another one on stable coins um, at the same stable time. Stable coins are interesting. At the same time. Yes, so it was same same outreach. This is yeah yeah yeah. 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 But uh, two different papers, different questionnaire, different different questions, and so forth. But uh, the stable coins was good because um, after I collected the data and kind of halfway through writing it, lead the whole Libra thing broke. So Ooh. we got a lot of it, we got a lot of interest in that because of because of Libra, and of course everyone's interested in stable coins right now. I think stable totally. coins do have a tie into security tokens. Um, so. If you're looking to do. DVP um, on a blockchain, and you just have one asset, one side, either the you know either the asset or the, or the payment is. If only one is is on the blockchain and can settle in real time, mm-hmm. then you know it doesn't help. So what you've we, what we've seen over the years, maybe not explain myself here, but if you put a, a security or uh, an asset on the blockchain and you're trading it, so mm-hmm. I buy it from you. Mm-hmm. I need to give you money, but I've still got to use the old-fashioned way of doing ACH or a Fedwire to get you the money, and it settles in three days. What's the point of having instantaneous settlement on the blockchain? Totally. So you need to have both legs you know, working at the same time, um, and I think stable coins can help bring that together. Um, yeah. I've been, I've been pretty excited about the way that space has evolved and what's been going on there. I'm not necessarily saying I'm excited about Libra, but they have like started the conversation for I was sure. Say, oh, totally. People yeah. who had no idea what stablecoins yeah. were are finally like trying to learn more about it. Yep. Um, I was going to ask you your thoughts on Libra, but it doesn't... Well, I don't even know if it's going to go anywhere at this point. I mean, yeah, I know. Everyone's like, uh, there's so much regulatory scrutiny on it. And, yeah, they shouldn't yeah. have announced it as soon as they did. We talk a little bit on one of the episodes, and I'm forgetting which one it is, but I had Todd McDonald on, and he was just talking for like a quick just like update and what's going on um, with Libra, and he was pretty pretty funny. He was blunt about it, but yeah. <laughs> he was good. Um, so, I mean, the thing about Libra is like they're not the first social media network to try and issue their own cryptocurrency. So mm-hmm. the other one we may have heard of was, was Kik, mm-hmm. who launched Kin, and they got in a lot of trouble for that. Yeah. And they're still fighting that one. Um, it, it does, In many ways, it does make, I mean, they're not exactly the same, but it does make sense of having a... Um, you know, a, a currency that you can use within online apps uh, and products to pay for things, whether it's in Facebook Marketplace or whatever, or to yeah. Uh, you know, I like this you know, the idea of like rewarding content creators and you know, I'd rather yeah. pay them 
you know, 50 cents worth of some crypto than have to sit through a stupid ad about some kind of medical product that I don't need. Yeah. You know? Um, totally. So I think there's a use case there. Um, but Facebook has just scared everyone by just the, the massive systemic risk that they could pose by, well, that's what people are saying. Like, if, if you know, they have two billion people on Facebook if everyone's on that that's a yeah it's a real threat to the existing you know currencies out there if it became yeah. real that's what people are concerned about but it has started the conversation and I think yeah. what did I say in here um, no it's in the other paper in the stablecoins paper that I can't remember the exact stat but I said what's the evolution for this and a lot of people said it's going to lead to central bank digital currencies um, which does kind of, you know, if you're talking about in a payment system, yeah. and we're talking about using a using a, a stable coin as the, the payments leg on a on a blockchain based asset trade, mm-hmm. um, you wouldn't need the stable coin if you had uh, a, a, you know, a CBDC, a central bank digital currency. Totally. Um, so some countries are moving towards that. The Fed recently announced Fed Now, which is mm-hmm. supposed to be like an almost instantaneous um, you know, payment system. So I think that's a very interesting space as well. I was taking notes, so I forgot my question, but I had a follow-up question. <laughs> um, uh, uh, CBDCs, stable coins. <sighs> After you working with anyone on CBDC? Probably, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. I've learned so much, to, in, not just from work, obviously. I learn a lot from work. I'm in marketing, so I kind of have to like know what's going on. <laughs> um, but I've learned so much about stable coins and, I mean, security token. Before... Before I read this, like, honestly, I didn't know. I wouldn't be able to talk to anyone about security tokens. So thank now you. Now you can. Now I can. Good. Now I can. Or I can just be like, hey, have you heard of life in the fast chain? You've got to go back to that bar and start, where's <laughs> yeah. that guy? I've got to tell him about security tokens. <laughs> no. They hold up a sign. Anyone want to talk about security tokens? I can kind of do it. They're kryptonite for stock for certificates. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm actually really funny. I so read the title, loved it. Well, actually, how did you come up with this title? Oh, uh, I came up with the title long before the paper. Oh, I love that. I wrote, no, I mean, I'm half joking, but <laughs> there, I, I did want to do the kryptonite pun. Or yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. I did want to do that somehow. Yeah, it was good. It was very good. <laughs> it's so funny because I have such a hard time picking uh, titles for things. So when something happens in a podcast, I'm like, oh, write that down. That's the title. Or else I really won't know what to name things. And one of the funnier things is that I make the titles for the podcast really long because I have a lot to say because I'll make it like a pun from the episode or a joke from the episode and then I'll say like featuring whoever it is and one of our uh, one of my a guy on my team Robert Lamberti when he writes up like our metrics and everything he has to put in the title and he's like can you please stop making them so long like they take up so much space yeah. <laughs> I can't help it this is like perfect I love this one and uh, when I was trying to prepare for this episode a little bit other than reading it I talked to one of my coworkers about like okay like is there anything that I wouldn't have thought to ask, uh, like other than reading like all the questions that came from this uh, paper? And he was like, "Who will be the the superheroes?" <laughs> <laughs> and I thought that was kind of funny. You could really use this. You could do like a whole Avengers Endgame, right? Yeah, totally. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Actually, like Libra got other people talking about it. Maybe yeah. you could get more people yeah, talking yeah, about it. Yeah, yeah. We'll have it. a theme. Yeah. We're on to something. Well, I think so. 
<laughs> well, thank you for coming into the studio today. This was very helpful. I'm not even just trying to like blow up steam. Like you really, I really learned a lot, and I'm definitely going to recommend anyone who's interested in learning more about this stuff to read this. Thanks, Catherine. It's been a lot of fun. Yeah. Thank you for listening to this episode of Life in the Fast Chain. So, for the next episode, by the time you guys hear it, I will be in London. I'm going over there for Cybos, um, and I will also be staying a little while, and then we have Cordicon. So, register for Cordicon if you haven't already. It's www.cordicon.com or r3.com slash Cordicon, whatever. I'll put the link in the bio. But definitely register because we'll have to um, close registration at some point, um, and it'll be a lot of fun. You'll learn a lot. Uh, So yeah, that'll be great. Um, But I will be in London, in the London studio, for the next few episodes. And I have a lot of good content that I want to put out there. Because now I have everyone in London I can reach out to because I like doing the episodes in person. Obviously, on the phone is great as well. Um, It doesn't really make a difference. Um, But to me, I like being in a studio with someone Um, little human connection (laughs) Um, so we have a lot of good things on the schedule and so I'm excited to keep on putting out good content for you guys Um, so yeah like the podcast share it Um, what else do you do Uh, put it on social media follow me at bread and rudder obviously follow all of the r3 accounts um, and then the core to focus one sign up for our newsletters if you want to get notifications every time a new um, podcast goes out sign up for that as well on the podcast page on r3.com okay i think i covered everything thanks bye